Welcome to Tax and Super Australia's podcast, Tax Wrap, where we share developments, news and insights for all tax practitioners and SMSF professionals. If you like what you hear, please rate us on iTunes and share. We'd love to hear back from you, so send questions and comments, even suggestions for guest speakers, to podcast at taxandsuperaustralia.com.au. Welcome to the special Tax Wrap podcast for the federal budget. I'm Steve Burnham, joined by um, Peter Adams. Hi, Peter. Good day, Steve. And we're also joined by a new person to the podcast, uh, Michaela Tibble. Hello. Hello. Hi. Now, Michaela's with the tax technical team at Tax and Super Australia. So, um, federal budget 2018, what did you think, Peter? Yeah, well, I think uh, we're leading up to um, um, an election, uh, so there wasn't going to be uh, anything that was going to be earth-shattering right. in the budget. Um, but it was interesting to see the government did have some um, some um, money in its um, coffers yeah, that's good uh, to share with taxpayers. <laughs> um, so they didn't plead poverty necessarily yep. uh, in this budget. And um, certainly the big winners, of course, um, the big ticket item came out of the budget is the um, personal income taxes and the changes there. Um uh, the fact that there's, in the first instance, um, a increment to the threshold for the 32.5% right. uh, tax go- bracket. That threshold's going up, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, that's going up from 87000 to 90000 uh, already starting uh, 1 July 18. Um, and, and it's a phased-in right. um, 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 methodology the government's adopted here to deal with personal income taxes. So in first instance, we've got that 32.5% bracket um, threshold going up from 87000 to 90000 Wasn't that long ago that it actually went up from 80000 to 87000 That's right, yeah. Um, so okay. now, of course, yeah. So now, of course, it's gone up to to $90,000. Um, first, first change there. And um, the government's envisaging, of course, that as part of this a raft of changes to personal income taxes um, that, um, in fact, those um, those those brackets, uh, those thresholds for the 32.5% uh, will further increase uh, to um, uh, um, um, $120,000, uh, effective 2022-2023. Right, yeah. Um, and then in 2024-25... Um, they will abolish the 37% bracket uh, with um, a 32.5% tax rate applying all the way up to $200,000 worth of taxable income. And the highest marginal, the 45% rate, only kicking in uh, for excess of income above 200000 And you're saying um, that's not until 2022, is that? That's, no, well, that part of it only happens 2024-25. Oh, right, yep. So what happens from now is that in the first instance that a middle bracket, the 32.5% bracket, uh, threshold goes from 87000 to 90000 and that will remain the same until 2022-23. Right. 2002-23, the 32.5% will apply to a bracket between 41,000 up to 120,000. And in the following year, 24-25, the 120,000 will have an upper threshold of 200,000. So instead of 120,000, 
it'll be 200,000 to okay. which the 32.5% will apply. And that means the 37% bracket, which is the next bracket, after the 32.5% currently, will fall away. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Okay. okay. So that's that's quite a significant change uh, when you look at it um, like that. Yeah, it, it is. is phased in over a seven-year period, but there's three phases to it. So it basically takes care of bracket creep, among other well, things. Well, that's it. Yeah. So uh, giving um, a little bit of a sweetener in the first instance in the short term to, to taxpayers yep. and, um, and um, being conscious of that it won't stop there, but over a seven-year period, we'll have those adjusted changes effected yeah. um, in our tax um, taxing framework for individuals. Right. Um, there's another add-on which I would be remiss not to mention, which is uh, also recognition of a new low and middle income tax offset. Um, we already have a low off low income offset, That's which right. we've had for a number of years uh, at four hundred forty-five dollars. Uh, up to taxable incomes of 37000 So if you have less than $37,000 taxable income currently, you get the full low-income offset of $445. Yeah. And then it starts phasing out until you get about six, to about 66700 yeah. uh, when it drops off. Well, what's the change for this? Well, this the change one? is that um, there's an increment to the offset itself uh, to $530, um, in the first instance, in the 2018-19 year, yep. uh, and then it will, effect, it will effectively shift up uh, to $645. Um, and, and what it really means is that the threshold for that cutting out uh, will now go up to $125,333. Right, Whereas now yeah. it cuts out at around about just under $67,000. Okay. Yeah. Um, so there's an increment to the low and what they now call low and middle income offset. Yep. Um, from the 445 in the first in the initial term to $530, yep. and then eventually to $645. But there's a further change also to the threshold when it cuts out. So it would normally have cut out at around about $67,000, but it will now cut out only at $125,333. Right, okay. So that's quite a significant shift to the upper threshold for when there's low and middle income offset will cut out. Yeah, exactly. All right. And what about you, Michaela? Were there any highlights that you... Uh... Uh, for me, um, the one that I noticed was uh, the denial of deductions for uh, vacant land. That okay. Mm. Yeah, that was interesting, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. that's an interesting one. Um, and they include in deductions, of course, Michaela, also mm. interest deductions where you've borrowed money to purchase the land. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. And, and even if you purchased it um, for the purpose of perhaps down the line producing assessable income from it, uh, we would in the past have had a strong argument for claiming a deduction for that interest expenditure because it would be said to be incurred for the purpose of gaining producing assessable income. Right. In right. other words, the loan was taken out for that purpose, uh, even though the, loan, the, the land was essentially vacant at this point. What the government seems to be pushing towards you with this measure is to say if the land is, land is vacant, uh, then that purpose doesn't hold true to translate into an income tax deduction oh, right. for the interest. So, however, they are they are very particular uh, in, in making sure that if you've actually constructed a building on that land yep. and it's available for rent, 
that your inter in, in your interest deductions and other deductions won't be impeded. No, but um, will hold. Okay. Will hold. Okay. It's only when the land is essentially vacant land, and that is a, a shift. Uh, absolutely, Michaela. That is mm. a very interesting shift, and I think there might be a lot of taxpayers out there that will be affected by that. Okay. You yeah. think there are a lot? Well, there are a lot because yeah. there's normally a period between acquisition of the land and holding of the land before you actually construct yeah, that's um, true, that's true. Um, a building on it. Mm. Um, so for that initial period, what the government seems to be suggesting is that you're not going to get the deduction for any interest expenditure or any other associated expenditure yep, yep. Uh, pertaining to that vacant land. Just, just one thing I, I noticed about the budget, it's sort of like when you... When you Lose ten cent, lose twenty cents, and find ten. It was the uh, twenty thousand dollar instant asset write off was yes. extended by a year. But uh, well, we I'm a little bit cynical about that one, Steve. To be <laughs> quite honest, um, I think uh, most of the lobbyists um, sought out a permanent retention mm, as we did of the yep. twenty thousand dollar write off, as we did here, tax and super Australia. Yeah. Um, and I think that would have been uh, a sound outcome if we had reached that. Um, the government, to some extent, acquiesced and uh, provided a further extension for one year, um, uh, which they did last year, mind you, Steve, because oh, this right. whole thing had to come to a crashing halt 30 June 17. That's right. Um, and then in last year's budget, they extended it for a further year to 30 June 18. Yep. And now this year, they've extended <laughs> it for a further year to 30 June 19. Why not just keep the damn thing? I know. Thing? Well, they're probably um, going to begin next year. So, um, it's, and, and I think there's a basis for retaining it permanently, Steve. Yeah, um, yeah. People often forget that what was the genesis of the introduction of this $20,000 write-off, there was something in our tax law um, called an entrepreneur's tax offset. That's right. Yep. Uh, which was available as a tax rebate tax offset uh, for businesses. Um, they removed that. Mm -hmm. uh, and once they removed that, they said, well, we'll give you something else in return. And what they, of course, gave us in return was a write-off. And that initial write-off wasn't quite 20000 It was $6,500, if you remember that's correctly, right. yeah, that's Steve. Take me back. Uh, yeah. That's right. Um, and then uh, we lost that a year after it was introduced, and then we dropped back to the $1,000 write-off for a little bit yep. before we got the $20,000 write-off. But now suddenly the $20,000 write-off um, was put forward under the guise of it being a temporary concession, mm. whereas the old entrepreneur's tax offset wasn't that. No. no. Um, so I think um, there's a bit of um, funny games here, Steve, because uh, really if they take away the entrepreneur's tax offset, it gives us something in return that turns out to be a temporary feature of our um, tax of concessionary yeah. framework. Mm. Um, well, I think the government needs to be held to account that this should be a permanent feature. Yep. But having said that, um, we we will take it, Steve. Oh, yeah, we yeah, will yeah. take we the extra no. year of the $20,000 uh, right. It's funny, I know a couple of guys who went out and bought a new ute when that came in uh, yes, a year ago. that's so. right. Um, they can't do that again, but still, no, there's a lot of things no. you can get for that. Uh, for that. Absolutely, yeah. yes. So it's yeah. So that, I think that that is positive. Uh, in a, in one of the changes that's come through. Yep. Uh, in in the budget. One of the uh, other changes uh, in the budget, McCallie, you were saying that uh, stood out was the uh, cash payment limit. That's yeah, interesting. Um, it seems that the government is trying to target um, the black economy oh, um, right. and uh, tax tax evasion as well. Yep, yep. And the one that I found interesting was the business-wide uh, $10,000 
cash limit. Yeah, um, yeah. Which actually, it's, it's, I suppose that happens. I mean, people handing over cash of 10000 uh, Peter, do you think that's a Well, a I think right? there's, there's a perception that there's still a large part of the market that transacts through cash transactions. Mm. Um, and um, and um, uh, we loosely term the black economy. Uh, and of course, we have the Black Economy Task Force, yep. which have uh, made certain recommendations to government. And I think off the back of all of that, uh, we've now had targeted measures come through. And one of those, of course, uh, this $10,000 cash. But I don't know how they came up with the $10,000. Yeah, wonder why 10 um, um, I am not sure how they came up with a ten, Steve, but I dare say it may not stay at ten thousand. You think, think it'll go up or down? Starting point. I think <laughs> it may well go down. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. But that's where we've um, we've gotten to in terms of um, um, a measure that was specifically coming out of the activities of the Black Economy Task yeah, Force. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, I, I mean, 10,000 actually isn't that much. Speaking of someone who's just uh, renovated a bathroom, yeah. uh, it's, it's easier to spend that money. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, any other highlights from the budget that you can... Uh, well, I, I think one thing that's a positive, I guess, is the fact that the Medicare increment, oh, yeah. Medicare levy increment, yep. uh, the government didn't move ahead with that. That's, um, yeah. So that's now pegged at 2%. It was going to be 25 um, wasn't it? Correct. So they didn't move ahead with that. So that's one particular thing uh, that was uh, of interest. Yep. Um, there's some changes relevant to the R&D regime as well, the research and development. Yes, that's an interesting uh, Tax one. regime. Yeah, that may um, re re start off some activity, I hope, in the research and development. Yeah, well, I, I think it's also going to um, have some businesses out there have a good look uh, mm. at um, the R&D activities and where they sit in terms of these changes. Um, some of the changes are positive, some of them are a little bit more restrictive. The positive change, I guess, uh, is that uh, if you were over $100 million uh, in terms of, um, of um, R&D expenditure or, or a turnover um, a threshold, uh, then you didn't get the full concessional R&D offset. No. Uh, you no. were then pegged at the normal company tax rate offset. Right. Now, that threshold of $100 million, uh, where you didn't get the full benefit of the R&D offset, that's been increased to $150 million per annum. So that's a, that's a positive change. So there'd be capacity, I guess, for more companies oh, to, um, to, kick to in. have yep. full entitlement to the R&D offset. Right. When I say full entitlement, though, it looks like not everyone is going to have full entitlement necessarily because that R&D offset, remember, is at 43.5% currently if your turnover is under $20 million. And if you're over 20 million, it's 38 and a half. That's right, there's two levels. Yeah. Um, so the measure that's introduced now, and of course, remember, if you're under 20 million, you get the 43 and a half percent offset, that's a refundable offset. Uh, uh, right. Whereas the 38 and a half percent, if you're over 20 million, is non refundable. Right, right. Um, but that refundable offset at the upper threshold um, uh, is now going to be pegged at a, a limit of $4 million per annum. So that's still quite a significant um, uh, offset capacity at $4 million to get an offset of that quantum. Um, but it's pegged now. There wasn't a ceiling on it before. So it's pegged now. Okay. So your total R&D or maximum offset will be capped at $4 million per annum. Yep. Okay? Yep. So that's one change. And the other change is um, that for the premium 
R&D offset, the 43.5% normally, uh, it will be pegged at a threshold of 13.5% above the company's tax rate. So what that means is if I have a company at a 30% tax rate, I still get a 43.5% at 13.5% above. Uh, uh, yep, yep. But if I'm a small business entity at oh, 27 no, down. Yep. correct, ah, right. then I only get up to 41%. Because uh, you start from a lower Correct. Level. Okay. So, yeah. so what they've done is to say your total entitlement on a premium level for your offset will only be 13.5% above your company tax rate. Okay. Uh, so not everybody's going to get the 43.5% no, no. is the point. Um, so that's those are probably um, um, changes that are a little bit more impeding than um, than the one that increases the threshold for accessing yeah, to yeah, the premium yeah, offset. Right. So there are some changes there, and I think there will be some companies that will need to consider um, um, their R&D claims and their R&D processes uh, and how they deal with, uh, with R&D. Um, the other side that the other thing part that was quite interesting as well and this is going to be particularly relevant for business is business pay to their employees salary and wages and of course so, they claim deductions for the cost of the that's salary right. and wages yep. Yep. they also make payments to contractors oh, yes. now uh, as an employer yep. or payer of a contractor if I pay my employees, I've got to deduct PAYG withholding right. from their wages and pass that on to the ATL. Yep. Similarly, with contractors who do not disclose their ABNs to me, I need to withhold PAYG withholding as well. So what it's saying is that if we do provide wages and payments to contractors and we do not withhold the POIG withholding as a business, yep. then we will not get the income tax deduction for that expenditure. There you go. So, so our making people do compliance that. obligation in meeting our POIG withholding requirements to the ATO yep. uh, now drives whether we get an income tax deduction so or not. So better get so, to it. Correct. <laughs> so this will, I think, uh, is an integrity measure of shorts. Um, to make sure the market corrects where there, there's elements of uh, non-compliance in the market with POIG withholding, um, that this measure would certainly hold up their deduction entitlements on the wages, etc., yep. um, if they do not comply with the POIG withholding framework. Yep. So that's an interesting one as well. There was one thing, Peter, I was going to um, ask about the um, changes to Division 7A. I, I mm. forget what that was about. Could well, you... uh, the Divi well uh, let me put it this way, Steve. The Division 7A changes were already rubber-stamped by the government in a previous budget. Right. And these changes came from recommendations made by the Board of Taxation. Uh, and the government accepted the Board of Taxation recommendations. They made about 15 recommendations to the government. Right. The government accepted that and uh, um, announced the acceptance of it uh, in, um, in a previous budget. Right. Uh, and these changes were to take effect from 1 July 2018. So what the government's done in this budget, though, was to postpone those changes taking effect um, to 1 July 19. Um, so have another year of, I guess, further fine-tuning of those Division 7A changes um, before it takes effect. Right. So right. it was supposed to take effect 1 July 18. It will now take effect 1 July 19. And a particular measure as part of the Division 7A changes uh, that the government seems to have separated out 
from the rest right. uh, is the change to uh, the treatment of unpaid present entitlements, UPEs, out of a trust to a private company. Okay. That's, this that's was a... already um, comprised of uh, comprised in the, the changes that were mooted uh, or recommended by the Board of Taxation. But the government seemed to have a separate focus on this as a, as a quite distinct element within the scope of Division 7A. Yeah, um, yeah. And this will also take effect 1 July 2019. And seemingly, the suggestion is that a UP, unpaid present entitlement, unless it's actually paid out to the company to which that UP is owed, right, yeah. you'd have to treat it as a loan between the company and the trust. If it's not paid. If it's an unpaid present If it's an unpaid present entitlement. Alternatively, mm. um, that UPE might actually be a deemed dividend, which ah, okay. is the normal sanction the effect yep. under Division 7A, unless you fixed it into a loan or a complying loan yep. under Division 7A. And this is, of course, only going to be an issue where the shareholders of the company are also beneficiaries of the trust or have an associate relationship with that trust. Which would be a usual which situation. Which would be a usual scenario. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what the detail behind that affords because what the Board of Taxation recommendation on this was, Steve, yep. was this, that you would be given a choice. You can either treat the UP as a loan, Division 7A loan, you yep. can either do that, yep. or you can say, I'm not going to treat it as a loan. That cash that's retained in the trust that belongs to the company, yep. we're going to say we're keeping in the trust as working capital. And so, therefore, we're not going to treat it as a loan because it's not a loan. Okay. It's just, and yep, and so, on. therefore, um, that won't require a loan agreement or anything like that. So, what the Board of Taxation recommendations were about was offering this choice oh, to taxpayers. Treat it as a loan. As a Division 7A loan, and if the, you so and wish. The consequences are or, that, so, yeah. And these are the consequences. Or um, if you do not want to treat it as a loan and you say it's working capital, essentially, that's held in that trust right. for the, the activities of the trust, uh, then you don't need to treat it as a loan. But then there was a little bit of a sting in the tail to say if, as long as that UPE cash is retained in the trust under the second option, we haven't treated it as a loan, yeah, yeah. then whenever that trust sells assets the trust won't be able to draw on the general 50% discount, which is what companies can't do. Which, yep, so yep. so that was the sum total of what the Board of Taxation recommended, which seemingly the government accepted then. But the fact that they've now separated out the Division 7A UPE change yep. from the other raft of changes right, right. means that maybe there's a shift. And we're not entirely sure whether these are real shift yet no, no. or whether they've just separated out for sake of clarity because <laughs> it's such a special um, element of the whole Division 7A framework. It is, yeah, so we'll, yeah. we'll have to watch that one closely. Watch this but, space, but we yeah. at least we've got a, a further window here to get our, our affairs in order yeah, if yep. that is the change because it will now only take effect 1 July 19. Well, there's the thing. If you get clients coming to you with, with this situation, you can think, well, hang on, there may be a change to the UPE correct, uh, correct, standing. So correct. We'll so we'll have to wait and see uh, what the underpinning legislation puts forward right. in terms of detail. Well, of course, all these have got to, be, got to go through the whole process. Correct, now, so correct. That's, that's another thing. Absolutely. Uh, also, in addition to the $10,000 uh, cash limit um, in targeting the black economy, I see there's also uh, going to be an extension to the taxable payments reporting system um, and basically 
uh, increasing that measure to uh, three additional industries. Oh, right. It was yeah. just for, for the construction industry. Yeah, it started off with the construction industry, um, Steve. And Michaela, you're absolutely right. Um, and I, I think this was, this was coming anyway because last year they opened it up to the cleaning industry and the courier industry. Really? They did. Okay. Um, so it was already extended last year to two further industries, having started off in the construction industry. Uh, so in last year's budget, that was extended to also the cleaning industry and the courier industry. And now, of course, this year, they've extended to three further, as you rightly point out, to security providers, investigation services, and road freight transport, um, and also computer design and related services. That's an interesting one. Um, so, um, yeah. Um, and I think... Um, the taxable payments reporting system, I think we're not long off uh, from the time when it's going to basically be par for the course, uh, really across all industry. Do you think that businesses are prepared for that? And well, I think, um, well, in the theories, Michaela, they should be, because this goes to the whole contractor employee um, 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 problem um, that most businesses have is my worker contractor or are they employees and that's really what this what drives this uh, as to whether I'm meeting my obligations if they are employees even though I'm calling them contractors so it's that what drives it and I think to some extent uh, I guess businesses should already be um, conscious uh, of this distinction yep. between workers um, but it does provide a further compliance obligation on workers. It's an administrative burden uh, to go through this taxable uh, payments reporting process. Yeah, a burden um, on the employer. You correct. Mean. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So, um, so um, yeah, I think um, in terms of uh, perhaps complying with it um, uh, to the full extent, maybe not. But in terms of what underpins... Uh, their treatment of workers, um, perhaps they should have already been prepared for that uh, because the ATO activity on this side of things um, is not new. The ATO had been looking at this for a number of years. It's just that it's now encapsulated in a, in a process uh, that, you know, to some businesses can be somewhat burdensome as an administrative process. And um, in that sense, they may not be quite uh, ready for it. Um, it's just worth noting uh, that um, there's a lot of money uh, being put to the ATO uh, around uh, tax compliance and tax integrity. Um, there's tax compliance funding of $130 million to the ATO to increase its compliance activities. Uh, so that's quite significant. Um, and so we can we will definitely start to see uh, a lot more activity mm. uh, in the review and audit space by the ATO for, for clients and businesses. So you're expecting to see an, a rise in ATO audits? Uh, certainly. Um, well, um, unless they're just going to sit on the money, Michaela. Um, <laughs> I, I certainly think they will use that because it's specifically earmarked for that. Um, so we've already started to see a bit of that just over the last 12 to 18 months. And I think we'll certainly see some more activity. Uh, and it'll probably be yeah. across the board, uh, not specific areas of tax, but 
uh, generally across the board. Yeah, I think tax um, compliance. some focus on the Tax Practitioners Board uh, has been coming out of the woodwork as well. <coughs> Big pardon, coming out of the woodwork as well. Yes, um, no, this morning. That's right. So yeah, I think I think the whole there's a whole convergence around um, tightening the compliance framework. We've got the Black Economy Task Force. <coughs> you've got the ATO that's now got an extra funding, uh, and then you've got the Tax Practitioner Board focusing on um, tax practitioners and tax agents doing the right thing. Um, so I think there's a convergence now of, uh, of elements of where the government says we need to tighten up the, the integrity of our, of, our, of our tax system. And I think they were targeting Phoenix uh, activity as Correct. well. Correct. That's that. part of that as well, right. Steve. Yeah. Uh, very much so. Uh, just one other thing. I was um, wondering if there was anything that you expected to see in the budget that uh, didn't feature. Hmm. Well, I, I was hoping for um, perhaps some changes around um, um, the the write-off that we talked about earlier being more of a permanent feature. That didn't happen. Um, and um, I, I was also um, looking to see uh, whether there might be some further relief under the small business capital gains tax regime just in terms of the thresholds uh, because we have had an increase in the small business entity threshold to $10 million right. yeah. on, um, on most uh, concessions in the income tax framework except capital gains tax yeah. where it was always still pegged at $2 million. So I was hoping to see some changes there. That didn't happen. Right. So, um, so in that respect, I guess it wasn't really... Um, 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 that greater budget because we did make some noises about that uh, in our budget submission from Tax and Super Australia about that. Um, and um, um, we also talked um, to, in our pre-budget submission, some of the administrative side um, and certainly the, the technology side of what the ATO does and, um, and to be conscious of how um, um, practitioners out there um, need to deal with technology changes and the like, uh, which causes much frustration out there. Um, there's not really been any activity in the budget around that, uh, so maybe hopefully that 130 million the ATO got um, will be also well spent in terms of um, 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 continued um, consultation yep. with practitioners yeah. uh, before they roll out um, um, new technology and oh, like, like single touch payroll or that that whole correct, effort exactly then again 130 million it's not all that much it's so. not all that much but it's an addition to everything it's else it's an extra 130 million Steve. yeah that's oh, an <laughs> of course that's right okay look that's been very enlightening thank you again peter no worries and thank you for joining thank us michaela thank you our listeners please stay tuned there's uh we'll be back in a couple of seconds with David Edmund, who has some news on uh, something that uh, might have been missed in a lot of uh, budget reports. Be back in a second. Okay, now, tell me, David, what did you uncover? Hi, Steve. Um, hi, listeners. Um, just something uh, interesting that um, seemed to escape a lot of the coverage last night, it has been picked up today, is that the um, Tax Practitioners Board is looking at increasing uh, the registration fees. Oh, great. So um, currently, as, um, as all tax agents are, uh, you have to pay your fee when you uh, renew every yep. three years. 
that's uh, currently $500 if you are carrying on a business as a tax agent uh, and $250 if you are not carrying on business as oh, a tax agent. Really? You just want to keep your yeah, yeah, keep hand your, in there? Um, huh. Yeah, exactly right. But So the first change, just to come off the back of that, I will stress that it is a proposed change because obviously the, right. the things in the budget need to pass. Yep. Um, so... The proposed fee increase, um, the first thing to point out is that um, from the 1st of July 2018, if the, if the changes are passed, um, there will no longer be a not carrying on a business category. Oh, okay, so the cheaper 200 and something yep, yep, fee. Correct. Really? That's, that's, go, that's gone, going. Correct. Right. Yep. Oh. So uh, the proposed fees um, payable at least once every three years from the 1st of July 2018 are as follows. Um if you are registered as a tax agent, that will set you back six hundred and seventy-five dollars. Hmm. Uh, tax financial advisor registration will set you back five hundred and forty dollars, and registration as a BAS agent is uh, one hundred and thirty-five dollars. And no option to be not providing services category. There's yep, no correct, category like correct. that. Correct. You're either oh. in or your route. Right. So uh, th- this has come about because um, in the budget, the government stated that um, there would be some additional funding mm. for uh, the Tax Practitioners Board, but to offset this funding, it th- there'll be this increase, this increase in, in the fees. In the um, changing category. Yeah, yeah <coughs> and, it, and it's planned that um, to increase you know, all the tax practitioner application fees would... Um, better reflect how the uh, TPB's costs to register tax practitioners and applies to those entities that actually use their services. Right, the, okay. There's been the TPB's. <clears throat> how does it work? Is it like on a rolling basis? Like you're registered from, what, May 7 and uh, every year on May 7 you have to pay, uh, three years on May 7 yeah, you pay? Yeah, it's, it's every three years. Um, my renewal, I'm, I'm a tax agent, um, I, when did my last renewal come through? 2015, so yep, it looks like uh, this time next year I'll be paying the um, oh, yeah, 675 bucks. Oh, well. So uh, no option to renew early, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah no, no, okay. Uh, um, yeah, just, just something to uh, be aware of because um, I, I believe that the um, application fee hasn't gone up ah. for, a, for a, I won't say a long, long time, but a fair while. Yep. Um, I... I might be incorrect in saying this, but I think it's only gone up once since uh, the TPB's inception. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Doesn't, doesn't, so doesn't make it any easier. <laughs> I, know, I know it doesn't. I know it doesn't. But, um, yeah, so some people may be expecting just to uh, roll along for 500 bucks. Yep. No, it's going to go up by 175 at least. That's quite a, a jump. Yeah. If you're a registered tax agent. Yeah. Yep. Just something for uh, our listeners and members to be aware of. Okay. All right. Thank you that for that, David, um, I think. <laughs> Take um, it how you want to, Steve. Yeah. <laughs> okay, there you go. Uh, you're, you've been told. Okay, thanks so much, Lancelot. Uh, stay tuned, and we'll be back with a wacky tax fact. Okay, Steve Burnham, back with you uh, with David Ebden. Hi, David. Hello again, Steve. Um, now, since we're talking about budgets and all that sort of thing, uh, well, my thought when I heard the budget come down was... WTF, which is wacky tax mm. fact, as you know. Um, I don't know. David, now you've been doing a little bit of research and you've come up with a, a, a Jim Dandy wacky tax fact, or facts, I should say. Correct. Fill us in. Yeah, so I just thought it would be interesting to uh, 
look at where the, 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 the phrase or the word the budget word. comes from. Yeah, where does it come from? So um, the, the word budget is often said to come from the old French word for a little bag oh, or yeah. purse. Yeah, yeah. Um, but there is a bit more to it than that. Um, the Oxford English Dictionary uh, says that the phrase um, to open one's budget was being used back in the 16th century wow. to mean that someone was revealing something which was secret, maybe even dubious. Oh, really? So, yeah, I, I guess the phrase or, or the word budget back in that time meant something like bringing out a box of tricks. Ah, oh, right. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah, okay. So when, what, were you, what year did you say, 16... 16- uh, the 16th century. Wow. So, Shakespearean uh, time. Is that, is that from that time, is that when the word budget was first used in the manner that we use it now? Uh, no, no. Um, the, the phrase uh, seems to have been first applied to a statement of uh, government uh, revenue and expenditure right. during, um, again, this is, this is back in the UK, uh, during the 1733 excise crisis. <laughs> okay. So um, this this crisis for you Australians who aren't up in your uh, British history uh, was the result of um, a, a prime minister. Um, his name was Robert Walpole. Right. Um, he planned to shift the burden of tax from landed wealth, so which fell heavily on uh, you know the country gentry who owned the land. Oh yeah. yeah. And um, to to uh, a consumption based tax, which would have been uh, that would have had a much greater impact. On the poor, yeah, the people, yeah, spending the money. maybe bought in more money. I don't know. Well, but um, was the budget an annual event back then? Um, it isn't known exactly mm. when the practice of an annual event at which, um, as, as we call the treasurer in the UK, the Chancellor of the Exchequer. Yeah, uh, it isn't known when he first gave an account of the uh, state of national finances. Right. Um, but the, the first use of uh, the phrase opening the budget was um, seen in 1753. Wow. So by 1764, it seems to have been uh, well established. Right. So, so yep. Okay. Oh, so, okay. Hap- no, so that it happened every year, you're yep. saying? Okay. Yep. Right. Uh, and just, just as a matter of um, interest, um, that year in uh, 1764, yep. the Chancellor at the time, uh, George Grenville, his name was, uh, his, his budget speech uh, lasted for just shy of three hours. <laughs> and uh, that introduced uh, a form of stamp duty right. on the American colonies. Oh, of course. This is before the um, the Revolutionary War. That's the yes, one, yep. No, okay. uh, no taxation without representation. Oh, okay. Yeah, did that come out of the uh, that Revolutionary War? Yep. Okay. Yep, that's, right. uh, that's it. And obviously the... Uh, when uh, we uh, Brits lost the uh, War of Independence, we needed to find uh, somewhere else to send our convicts. Yeah, yeah all right. Oh, hey, and, um, here we there are. There we go. <laughs> there we go. The, um, tell me the the Boston Tea Party. What? How was that? Uh, is that involved in, in this? Uh, yeah, yeah. That, that that was kind of the first form of protest. Right. The uh, yeah, throwing ruining the tea, ruining the tea. Yep, <laughs> throwing it overboard to yeah, uh, yeah. protest. Uh, yeah. Is um, um, Mr. Banks and Mary Poppins would say, which made the tea undrinkable even for Americans. Um, that's, <laughs> that's from true. the movie. Um, well, therefore, okay, so they had to find somewhere else to colonise, and we were the next yep. one, I suppose. Great unexplored. And so we, land. of course, inherited the annual budget, I yep. assume, yep. and all that. Yep. Isn't that interesting? 
it, it is. I mean, if you just take a step back and not look at it for what it is, yeah, you know, yeah. And, you, and you dig deeper into things, you can find a lot of interesting uh, stuff out. That's wonderful. Okay, that's been the special tax podcast for the federal budget 2018. Thanks for listening.